this week on Mary's Reservation for Two. So outside of the, the fun and kind of the everyday things, you were the first Canadian to do a spacewalk. Mm -hmm. um, on the $5 bill. On the, I know, no yeah. big deal. Crazy. $5 bill. I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> He's made history as the first Canadian to walk in space and record an album at zero gravity. And now his children's book is coming to life on the stage. I'm so excited to share a meal with someone I've always admired, Colonel Chris Hadfield. Are we uh, ready? Um, what are we having for lunch? Well, thanks for joining me here at the Swan. I, the last time I was at a Firkin, I must say, I think was in university. I was in Waterloo at the Fox. Oh, really? So pretty fun. Huh. Very excited. I, I'm, I went to Waterloo, but a long, long time Oh, yeah? Ago, probably predating the Fox. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm a professor there sometimes. Oh, amazing. But, but normally I don't go to the pub. So, no, and uh, Waterloo is far from yeah, King Street. Like, well, it feels far. used to live uh, on the border between Kitchener and Waterloo, just behind King Street. Oh, amazing. My wife worked at the big insurance company there. And oh, we got right. we got married in Waterloo. And no one way. Of our first child was born in Kitchener. So, yeah, we uh, were from that area as well. Amazing. But, yeah, I like going back and teaching. I, uh, I met my husband. Husband. We went to Laurier. We went to the high ah, school down the street, yeah. I think is what it's referred to. Ah, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, we met, he was a, a stagehand at the, well, he was in the music faculty. Ah. And then stagehand backstage, I was in a play, you know, yada yada. I met my wife in a play. I don't think you knew that. No, we, I did not. We were in a play together. We were both uh, acting in a play. Oh my gosh. Uh, the man who came to dinner. Nice. In high school. Oh in man. Ah, look at what a ride. Hi, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank Appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah, cheers. Cheers to you. Thank you so much for doing this. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. No, you get a mustache. I know. I was going to say, I was like, now I look like Chris Hadfield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um, so we were really young. I was 16 and my wife was 14, just turning 15 when wow. we met. So, so pretty incredible. So did you go to high school? You went to high school together? Yeah. Uh, in Oakville, White Oaks. Nice. And uh, we did indeed. Yeah, amazing. And uh, so that was uh, a lot of decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, incredible that you could meet at that age and manage to um, find someone that you can spend your life with, yeah. but then also find ways to continue to adapt who you are yeah. and what you value and and support each other so yeah. that you know you can stay together. I think we've been together 47 years wow. now. So, so it, that number seems like unbelievably huge. Yeah. And yet, it's just day-to-day -day, uh, good living, so yeah. it's pretty amazing. That's amazing. Happen. I met my husband at, I was 19, uh, and um, it hasn't been 40-something years, but it's nice that we still find out new stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we were just on a call right now, so uh, dealing with something else. But mm -hmm. uh, what's fun is my, uh, maybe you know, but my third book, no, my third book, yeah, has been made into a play. Yes. <clears throat> and so... Uh, theater has come back into our lives a little bit. My wife actually worked as an actress for a while. No way! Uh, or at least was in, you know, community theater. Yep. Never huge, but in community Toronto theater. Or? No, in Houston, or okay. near, near Houston. And did very well at it. Um, but, uh, so there's always been an undercurrent of that. She, yeah. uh, I'm a terrible actor. Yeah, uh, where, same. Where she, she's a good actor. <laughs> but, um, but it's lovely now to see just how well that book has been brought to life by yeah. professional uh, cast and crew yeah. and it's been you know sold out and, and just done a great job so it's really fun to have that turnaround in our lives from how we first met right to now creating a play that's doing really well in Toronto that's amazing it's yeah. kind of full circle like seeing uh, yourself 
meeting in a play, being in the play, writing something, have it become something, and have all of your life kind of informing that. And now, that. going to the play with my granddaughter. Oh! And getting, getting her to see, because now, I don't think it's ever occurred to her that her grandpa was a little boy. Yeah. Oh you know, yeah, that's mind-boggling. Hard to visualize. Yeah. But when now there's an actor portraying me at mm -hmm. 10 years old, mm -hmm. and the first time she saw the play, she was just sort of watching it, like trying to figure out what was going on. Because the whole construct of a play is kind of weird, mm -hmm. really, when, if you've never seen one. No, like, you're not supposed on? to talk back yeah, to them, what is happening, yeah. Life. But it, once you get the construct of it, then, uh, we saw a dress rehearsal. Then we went to the real opening premiere performance, yeah. and she was way into it this yeah. time. And now she refers to as you know, uh, little boy grandpa. You know, oh and hey, what gosh. the little boy grandpa was doing, and How and old I is think she? she's seven. Okay. So I think it it kind of, and because that is very much my character mm -hmm. when I was a kid, it it sort of was making her think about time differently yeah. and age differently. But what amazed me is she went home and found a program online, an app online, mm -hmm. where you can make your own play. And she created a play with characters and a script and voices and like the little virtual curtains open and out no. come all the actors and they do their whole play and at the end, the curtains close and there's applause. And so You're like impact, passing it on. Yeah, yeah. And so when you talk about the circles closing, mm -hmm. it was really delightful to see the play through her eyes, mm -hmm. but then, to think about what impact is that now going to have on her perception of normal mm -hmm. and where she wants to go. So yeah, yeah no, it was, uh, it's a lovely thing. Man, I don't even remember when I figured out that time is a thing and yeah. that it, it, yeah. it's linear and it, it kind of moves along. Unless you get close to a black hole and it's no longer linear. Oh man, yeah. I, like space time is wild. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I am um, so excited to see you again. I'm trying to be like, I'm going to say 99% cooler than the first time I met you. <laughs> Wait, um, that's, a, that's a big aim. It's a big aim, and I'm not that cool usually. So um, it was on the set of MasterChef Canada. Right. Um, we walked in and we knew something was different because there was a giant box. You were one of the contestants. I was. And you were, when I was facing it, you were like over That's there. Very and accurate. I remember, I yeah. remember, yes. It's exactly. probably because I screamed really loud. Uh, you were uh, lively. Yeah. For sure. yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, on MasterChef Canada or any of the MasterChefs, um, when there's a giant mystery box, you know somebody's living, you know someone's hanging out inside of there. Yeah, yeah. But oftentimes it's a chef right. um, or someone maybe from a different. Master Chef kind of franchise, and out comes you. Yeah. And I, I had seen you perform with our mutual friend Danny Michelle. Oh. I'd, I was so excited. Um, I think we actually had to redo you coming out of the box because I yelled so loud <laughs> that the camera guys uh, broke and laughed. Because I don't think anyone was, was, was expecting that type of reaction. I've, I've, I've come out of small spaces. Before. Yeah. It's okay. no yeah was that deal. a roomy box for you? <laughs> it was yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> kind of comfortable, but uh, yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. That, that was fun. It was a good time. And the food you made out of like the raw materials of astronaut food was pretty good. Yeah. So we, the, the challenge was using astronaut food essentially, like dehydrated berries and chicken. Irradiated and thermostabilized and all that other yeah. army ration. Kind is that of stuff. is yeah. that actually what it's like? Well, we don't have uh, a fridge. Okay. And we don't have a freezer, mm -hmm. and we don't have an oven, and we don't have a stove, Excellent. and we don't even have a microwave. Oh, it sounds like a perfect so, way to make food. So, so you, yeah, you're pretty. <laughs> limited yeah. and and the food um, has to of course uh, we sure don't want to get food poisoning or yeah. something because it's such a wicked environment yeah so the food has to 
pass really stringent requirements, and then it has to have a very, very long shelf life because yeah. it could be months before it launches, and then it's going to be up in space who knows how long. Yeah. So it's a really weird subset of food. So mm -hmm. we try and choose stuff that has almost no expiry date. Mm. So that <laughs> means it's not normally great food. Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, tinned food and yeah. stuff like that. It's fine. I stayed the same weight, or at least the same mass. I, um, <laughs> I uh, stayed healthy the whole time. So the food's fine. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't go, no, go wouldn't there, go for, there the for the food. It's not a culinary no. journey. No, yeah. no, it's not. Um, no. When you were coming around to the stations on MasterChef Canada, um, I could hear everyone else asking you questions about um, space and things like that. And I think I... I complimented your watch. Oh, this watch? It might have been, if, if, if this is a watch you also wore space. Uh, it is. Then uh -huh. that is the watch you were wearing. Yeah. Um, cool. On the back it says certified for space flight. Oh my gosh. It's been around the world uh, 2,300 times. I can touch, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It's heavy, huh? That is heavy. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I see it's kind of loosey-goosey on your wrist. Well, I like that because um, I liked it when I was weightless to be able to see my watch just floating on its own on oh, my wrist. Cool. It was just cool to see. It was a reminder of where I was all the time. And so when I got back, I just keep it loose because it's kind of a little personal reminder, reminder. Of, of the time I spent off the earth. That's amazing. And I honestly, ever since I was a kid, a bracelet like this, oh. my Nana, my grandpa had something and I just loved doing this with it. So I, I can get it. won't fit your wrist for No, I got a tiny little yeah. wrist. <laughs> it would really be floating around. Um, but when, when I complimented it, 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 it signaled a question in my mind and I was like why do you have a watch in space if the Sun rises and sets every 90 minutes what yeah. time is it in space yeah and you said it was you woke up with the Queen that's right and or I knew the, it was Greenwich Mean Time or now the King yeah but yeah, yeah <laughs> um, uh, who I've actually uh, been working with recently really yeah yeah I'm working with I went and met King Charles uh, a couple weeks ago or a month ago and uh, I'm working on a project with the king so that's fun did you tell him that you have a King Charles Spaniel as well <laughs> so now he's yeah the second King Charles you've met uh, yeah I didn't, didn't mention <laughs> yeah. that but, but um uh, but our dog knows Henry yeah, knows. yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, so on board the spaceship, mm -hmm. because you're whipping around the world and the world's turning underneath you, yeah. you know, you get to see sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, and you get to see all the different countries of the world. So yeah, who, what what time is it going to be anyway? Yeah. Um, but our main control is in Houston mm -hmm. and in Moscow. The two There's a mission control in Montreal, there's mm -hmm. one in Munich, there's one in Tokyo, mm -hmm. but the main ones are, because the station is primarily Russian-American built, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moscow, Houston and so they you know you want to make it as shared inconvenient as you can totally. for all of those crews of people working in those two places so we chose the know, middle yeah your destination wedding day where That's it's like <laughs> this is the worst for everybody yeah, yeah. well people got to get there you know in Russia most people take public transit yeah. and so it closes at a certain time of night so you've got to you know think about how people are going to get there and back so so living on board the space station is partially driven by the Moscow transit system which you wouldn't think. No, I would not think. Yeah. It's crazy thinking about how kind of connected everything is. Yeah. Um, when you were a kid, you grew up in Southern Ontario, right? I was born uh, in Sarnia. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when my dad got a job closer to Toronto. He was an airline pilot. Okay. And and they, my mom and dad both grew up on a farm. Okay. So they wanted to raise their kids on a farm. Yeah. And, and so they bought a farm 
uh, in between, a little bit west of Toronto, in between Milton and Oakville. And, oh, right and my dad just turned uh, 89, and they're still living on that farm, well, my mom and dad. So, really? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. farm you grew up on? Uh, yeah, from age uh, seven until I left home. Yeah, That's amazing. So, yep, yeah, so I, Southern Ontario raised. Okay, yeah. and so from farm stock, but your dad was a pilot. Yeah. Is that kind of where you got the inspiration to want to be an astronaut? Or, um, or was that a longer journey? No, I, I think that was more an enabler than a dream. <laughs> yeah. um, I, uh, I think it was probably comic books and Star Trek. Nice. Is where, like, because, you know, what, what do you fantasize about when you're little, mm -hmm. right? What do you dream about? What do you think is cool? Yeah. And, uh, and for me, as a little kid, I just thought, you know, I love all this fancy, you know, fantastic stuff. Star Trek's essentially a Western set in space, 100%. right? hundred percent. It's know, about adventure and finding yeah, the final yeah, frontier yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You know, and all that daring do and all that stuff. And, um, but what happened was I was watching Star Trek and then people actually went to space yeah. at the same time. So it was as if you were watching... X-Men, yeah. and then and then suddenly X-Men became real, and they became something that maybe you could do. And so for me as a little kid, it was like, how can how can this even be that yeah. stuff that was up until now just fantasy entertainment mm -hmm. is now a thing that people actually do? Yeah. And so when I when they walked in the moon, the mm -hmm. first moment that they walked in the moon in July when I was nine years old, mm -hmm. uh, that's I basically said. If that's a thing that people can do, then I want to do that. Yeah. You know? I'm going to grow up to be something. Yeah. Why don't I grow up to be that yeah. thing? And and so the fact that my dad was a pilot, it helped because mm -hmm. you fly mm -hmm. in space. And so I had to learn to fly. But, uh, but it was more... Um, a combination of dreams and opportunity uh, crossing over yeah. at a lucky time in my life. That's amazing. It's it. Very few people. I, I I'm often jealous of people when I was when I was younger who kind of always knew what they wanted to be because I've always been. I don't know. I was good, I was good at science. I was good at English. I was good at math. But I was like not good at French. That's where you lose me. Um, but I never really had a focus. I didn't know what it was I wanted to do. So I went through school, I went, I did my master's at U of T, but that was more uh, an arrested development thing because I didn't want to make a decision yet. Sure. Um, and then I, I've always loved cooking and then I kind of fell into MasterChef Canada, I auditioned uh. for that and now I, I cook on TV and I write cookbooks and it's all this luck and, and passion, but also like sticking your neck out, putting yourself out there. What's that? If you want to make the gods laugh, tell them your plans. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And uh, in my case, though, because I decided so early, mm -hmm. and I decided to do something that uh, was impossible because mm -hmm. Canada didn't have astronauts. Yeah, it didn't have rockets, didn't have a space agency. You know, but uh, at that I, point, it was just Russia and America, right? That's right. Yeah. But but I thought. Uh, they didn't used to have rockets and astronauts and space agencies either, and that changed. And so things are going to change. Yeah. And so the thing that uh, I I really have to change uh, is myself. You mm -hmm. know, if I'm going to do those things. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, you weren't born as a as a winning chef. No. You learned. You decided that was something you wanted to do, and then. And then you you made mistakes all kinds of times until you eventually figure out, hey, how does all this work? And mm -hmm. then you get good at it. And, and basically everything's just that. What's your recipe in order to to succeed? Yeah. And and so for me, I just and ran into setbacks, nothing but setbacks. Yeah. But 
eventually, through tenacity and patience and a lot of luck, mm -hmm. flew in space three times and commanded a spaceship. Pretty it's, amazing. I would never look at you and think, man, that guy's failed a lot. But it's really amazing hearing you talk about that, because it's true. I think pushing for something and trying for something that feels impossible and working towards something that you're passionate about and care about, that's what life is about. Like, I it shouldn't agree. all be breezy easy. Well, also, I think the real sweet spots in my life mm -hmm. have been where uh, I'm doing something that is interesting and challenging and, uh, and, and where I'm learning. Because, mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm trying to do something here that, man, I can just barely do it. Yeah. Hanging on by the virtual, you know, skin of my teeth mm -hmm. here. But I'm also serving something greater than myself, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, working in service of my country or, or something where there's a higher purpose to what I'm happening. It's not just for me yeah. and earning a living for myself and for my family mm -hmm. and hopefully all those things lining up to be moving me in the direction of stuff that I really just sort of fantasize and dream about. Yeah. And so I've always tried to keep kicking myself back into those circumstances mm -hmm. where you're challenged, where you're learning, where you're moving hopefully towards stuff you're dreaming about and you're finding a way still to support on the day-to-day. -day. And hopefully it's part of something that's way bigger than just yourself. Yeah. And I, I still do that every single day now. And, and yeah, and you never know how it's going to turn out. No. But, but uh, if you keep those things in mind, it seems to sort of improve your odds Completely. at least of getting closer to what, what what's important to it you. It almost keeps you in like the, um, it's almost like you stay in like a pinball machine. Yeah. You're not, it's not a straight line. You're hanging around, <laughs> but you're you're still in there. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes you get whacked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you don't score any points. No, or you fall yeah. down that side one and you're like, no! But it, you get a few resets. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is, you know, I don't, you know, sometimes you get a free game. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> to carry the metaphor, but, um, yeah, I, I like the idea of that. And yeah. some days you just can't lose. No. Some days you're the pinball wizard. Yeah. And some days you're not. No. <laughs> yeah. But uh, living on board a spaceship, mm -hmm. um, you are reminded of the finite nature of the world. Mm -hmm. You go around it in 90 minutes. So it's not very big. Mm -mm. But you also get a sunrise and then 45 minutes later, a sunset. And so... The, the cyclic nature of it and the chance to start over, to mm -hmm. get a, a new game um, is accelerated. Yeah. You know, here it takes 24 hours, right? But on board a ship, you just keep like, all right, you know, uh, this is a big circle and a cycle. Yeah. And, and what you choose to do with these cycles is gonna be the pattern and the determination of your life. Yeah. And, and so I, I've had a lot of time maybe to, to think about optimizing my chances to win at all those yeah. things. Yeah. Um, when you were on board the spaceship, so you, you've been to space, three space missions. Yeah. How was it going away? Because this isn't like dad's going to Ottawa for a business trip. Yeah. Dad's going to space and yeah. can't turn around and is there. And no beer. And no beer. Yeah, yeah that's right. No running water, no beer, no microwave. No. no, no. Yeah. No bathtub, no shower. No bathtub. I would die without a bathtub. Yeah, no shower. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, just a sponge bath. What a yeah. what a life. Yeah. 
think about shampoo, you know, how do you wash your hair? With how no? do you wash your hair? Oh, uh, there's, spe actually, you can go to the drugstore and get it. There's waterless shampoo. Well, like dry shampoo? Uh, well, no, it's liquid. Oh. You just squirt a little bit in your hair, and then it, it just sort of uh, mixes into your hair, okay. even with hair as long as yours, mm -hmm. and then you just dry it off on a towel, and the, you know, the oil and the stuff in your hair just comes off on the towel. What? It works okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, I mean, there are lots of astronauts with long hair, yeah. too, so it's easier if you keep your hair short. I was going to say. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a long business trip. But uh, I think for a lot of people, they naturally, they only see astronauts when they're going to space. Yeah. But I served as an astronaut for 21 years. Mm -hmm. I was only in space for six months. Mm -hmm. So the reality of life for my family and my kids was the 20 and a half years mm -hmm. that I was on Earth, mm -hmm. not the six months that I was in space. Mm -hmm. And during that 20 and a half years, I was away from home about two thirds of the time, like uh, on the road, mm -hmm. because it's an international space station. Yeah. And so you train in Japan mm -hmm. and across Europe and across the US and across Canada and in Russia. And so they were used to a life where, uh, dad's on a trip yeah and then when I go to space it's kind of cool because hey we're all gonna go to Disney World because it's in Florida yeah <laughs> and, and, and Universal Studios yeah. and we're gonna get to watch dad go to space yeah. and you know it'll be fun and then then we'll come home and get back to normal life and dad's trip and he'll call us from space sometimes and then <laughs> and then he'll come back and so for, you know they they got over the the it was difference kind of, of it fairly soon it was right? status quo you're well, on a well, trip plus mm -hmm. um I'm not the only astronaut in town yeah. down in Houston, you know, that's where all of the NASA and, and astronauts from other space agencies train mm -hmm. and therefore where they live. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know. There's a community. Yeah, well, there's there's lots of kids whose moms and dads are astronauts. So it's like, it's a different job, but yeah. it's not a, a completely unique or bizarre job. Yeah. So yeah, for them, it's just, okay, fine. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, getting to go to Disney and do all that stuff too. It, Cape Canaveral's where they take off, right? Uh, or no? Yeah, yeah, there's uh, the Kennedy Space Center mm -hmm, in Cape mm -hmm. Canaveral. They're on, they're on the coast of Florida, on the East Coast, yep. facing the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. And about an hour away is Disney World. Nice. And Universal Studios. See, I know that because so. my Nana lived near there. And ah. one time, my Nana was like a, a shopper. And one time we were on the phone with her and uh, there was a big crash in the background. And she was like, well, they're probably blasting off one of those rockets. It was her purse shelf that fell down. <laughs> so <laughs> so she uh, has a rocket's amount of purses, I yeah. guess. Wow. Yeah. A purse shelf. Yeah, she had a whole shelf. Wow. She was quite a lady. <laughs> with being in space though, we're, and even just traveling for being an astronaut and having to go around and travel so much, um, did you have anything that you took with you? Like any like things, mementos from home that reminded you? Um, I know well, in your book, Apollo Murders, like there's the locket and there's things like that. And it's yeah. those things that remind you of home. Imagine if someone said to you, mm -hmm. you're gonna go and live off the planet for <laughs> at least six months. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to bring essentially like a little, uh, like a, you know, your toiletries bag yep. that you're allowed to take on an airliner, yeah. you know, the little tiny one, about that big, yeah. and nothing too large inside. You can choose anything you want that'll fit inside. It can't be too heavy, mm -hmm. it can't be fragile, mm -hmm. it can't be, you know, something that's gonna float around and cause problems, but essentially, what would you bring? And we're allowed to do that. Okay. A, a little packet of personal things. So like a, like a, you have a, a space you're allowed to fill. Correct. Okay, cool. And, and NASA has recognized that that's good for psychology, yeah. you know, give people a chance. And, and it's a natural request, mm -hmm. right? I want to fly 
I don't know, my uh, my my grandma's brooch yeah. that she wore on the day she got married or something like that. Or I want to maybe buy a couple new wedding rings and, and you know, have new wedding rings when I get back or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so every astronaut thinks about that yeah. and discusses it with family. Yeah. Oh, look oh. what's coming. We're getting food. Okay. I've got the swan's fish and chips. Thank you very right. much. Specialty I'm a fish and chips gal. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the shepherd's pie. Classic pub fair right yes. here. All right. Anything else I'm grab for you guys? I'm perfect. Thank All you set. so much. Thank, Thank you. So yeah, so I had to decide uh, what am I going to bring in yeah. my little uh, ditty bag. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my family, what do you want me to bring? Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and so I asked my kids and my wife and then my brothers and sisters and my parents. And, and I said, it's gotta be little. And, yeah. and they each made me things. And so I, I flew like a, a medal for my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I flew uh, earrings, mm-hmm. uh, rings for my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I made sure I had a wrist. I flew three times. So I tried to have one watch for each child. Nice. So eventually all three of them will get um, that's a very watch nice. that flew in space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then for the organizations that I belong to, like the schools I'd gone to, mm-hmm. uh, nice to be able to fly like a crest from a school or yeah. a, any of the, the the people that had taught me, the squadrons that I flew on as a fighter pilot or yeah. a test pilot, that sort of thing. And it's the little bag gets filled up pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. And while you're in space, of course, everybody wants to see, here you go. Oh, thank you everybody, so much. Everybody wants to see their thing mm-hmm. in space. Mm-hmm. So there's one day where you go into the bulging window and you've got your little bag of stuff and you set up a camera and then you get it to take a picture and then you bring out each thing one at a time and you take a picture <laughs> so of it. It's like next show and tell, but you you're on, showing space. Yeah. With yeah. You, hey, look. Yeah. And, and so then when you get back to Earth, you can find that digital photograph mm-hmm. and mount it and then mount the thing mm. and then present it back to the person. Oh my gosh. That... So in my parents' farm, mm-hmm. in their farmhouse is a. Uh, you know, is that picture mm-hmm. uh, of me and the earth in the background and and that family historic uh, medal, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the hallway, just as a, as a, you know, a, a memento yeah. of what one of the the children managed to have a chance to do during their life. So, That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, so, so yes. Um, so, bon appétit. Bon appétit. Or priyatna vapetita. Oh, is that Russian? That's Russian. Nailed right. it, okay. Priyat, you have another language available? Mm-hmm. Uh, Upetit not French. Yeah. Bon appétit. Yeah. Speaking of Russian, I've enjoyed uh, in your book Apollo Murders. I love how much you're. You don't have any reason to have worked that hard to make the book that good because I would have bought it even if it wasn't. (laughs) And it's really great. Well, thank you. It's. I feel like I could imagine what it's like being on the International Space Station. In two sentences, you tell me. Uh, a word and then you tell me what it is and I'm like, oh, I'm an astronaut. I know what I'm doing. This is totally cool. And same with Russian. Well, I, I it's hate, so great. I hate reading when the, the author leaves you behind. Mm-hmm. You know, or you're, where I'm reading a book and I realize, who is this character? Mm-hmm. What? I, I've lost complete track of who I'm even reading about mm-hmm. now. So I try and be kind when I write a book to, to remember that uh, I'm not actually writing this book for me. Mm-hmm. I'm writing it so that someone else will be able to get some glimpse into what I'm excited about yeah. and what I know about and what, what I, I've learned and, and um, what I imagine. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I try and be very careful uh, to make things clear mm-hmm. but interesting. And, yeah. and hopefully 
memorably, you know, sort of educational, like, oh, cow, holy cow, I didn't know that. Like, if I'm reading, I'm not a doctor, but if I'm reading a book about, you know, surgery, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm never, I'm not going to be a doctor, but I'd like to learn enough about it to make it like kind of cool yes. and interesting. And so when I wrote the Apollo Murders, and I've just finished the next book in that <gasps> series. I was going to ask that. Which is called The Defector. Oh. And uh, it comes out in the fall. Congratulations. And, uh, That's yeah, so exciting. Thank you. And it's already uh, doing great in pre-orders. Ah, and it's amazing. Other languages and things. So it's mm-hmm. great. But the same characters that you got to know in the Apollo Murders, uh, they are the, the characters that are in The, the Defector. And the cool thing about the Apollo Murders is it's uh, already in pre-production as a television series. I am so excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And uh, are you part of that as well? Uh, are well, you I, involved? I, yeah. I mean, when you see a TV series, one of the things you don't jump to is who was the original author on the book. That's <laughs> not normal. No, like you're normally like, who's the actor? Yeah. <laughs> who's the director? Um, and and so I recognize that. Yeah, I wrote the book, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not. I don't know how to make a TV show, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to rely on a lot of super expertise. Mm-hmm. And they've got to take my book, which takes you know 15 hours to read or something, and turn it into something entirely different. So they need a really good writer, a mm-hmm. script writer, mm-hmm. and then they need a really good director, and then they need a really good editor, mm-hmm. and then they need marketers. And, and so I'm very respectful of all of that. But they also need a technical consult. Yeah. And they recognize and I recommend that they're going to be hard pressed to get better technical consult than you know the guy who wrote this book yeah and, yeah and who, flew, and who flew in space yeah so um so my part in this is uh is very much as an executive producer technical consult that type of thing that's amazing and it's super exciting yeah for me. and we've got I can't announce it yet but we've got some really cool um things that are happening with the TV series, The Apollo Murders. Oh my gosh. As soon as, as, soon as it gets signed, I'll be able to announce oh, it, but it's, it's a cool thing. That's amazing. Honestly, yeah. it's so cool. And it's like you're talking about, I, I one of the reasons I fell in love with, with television um, when I was on set of MasterChef, and I was like, oh, I think, I, I think I'd like to keep being a part of this circus, sure. um, was because you get to work with people who are so good at something that I will never be good right, at. Right, right. And, and you get to work as part of a team and make something that so many people can enjoy. I worked in Mission Control mm-hmm. for a lot of years. You were Capcom, right? Correct. Yeah. So Mission Control, mm-hmm. it's like super hard, super technical, mm-hmm. and your decisions are life or death, mm-hmm. and they have to be instantaneous. And the person, you know, mission control, you know, sort of those rows of people yep. and the flight director and all that. Almost but like a theater. What you don't see, yeah, sort of a theater, because mm-hmm. everybody's looking at the screens mm-hmm. of all the information. Well, what you don't think about is every single person there, like let's say you're Inco, mm-hmm. which is uh, instrumentation and communications officer. Mm-hmm. But Inco then is responsible for all data and all communications with the spaceship. Mm-hmm. So that person is sitting there, but they're talking to an entire room full of experts somewhere else mm-hmm. who is watching all those data streams and all of the satellite dishes on Earth and how it's all linked together and predicting into the future. But that person in the front room mm-hmm. has to think about, okay, in a little while, we're gonna have a, a dropout of communications or something's going on, or we've had this technical failure, so this is not working. They need to be able to judge how does that fit in with everything else? Mm-hmm. And then decide to tell the flight director, who sort of has to know everything about everything. Mm-hmm. And 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 then I've been the Capcom and the, the capsule communicator, the astronaut in that room. Mm-hmm. And most of my life, 
I haven't been like the, the stupidest person in the room, <laughs> you know? And so in that room, man, you are just sprinting just to try and keep up yeah. with, with the brilliance and the technical competence and the awareness of all those group of people. Yeah. So it's a fascinating place to yeah. work because you're presented with nothing but problems. Mm -hmm. And you have to, it's like this constant jigsaw puzzle or a whodunit. Yeah. And you have to solve it before, you know, the sand runs out of the hourglass. And, and so it, it's a wonderful sort of addictive place mm -hmm. to work in. I was NASA's chief Capcom. I worked in there for 25 shuttle, space shuttle missions in a row. It's about five years every single day. You work 24 seven, mm -hmm. really interesting place to work. But, but as you say, mm -hmm. man, I want to work in this circus. Yeah. That was a cool place to be. It brings us back to what we were talking about earlier with um, constantly being, you. The, the highlights of your maybe professional life is when you're being pushed and challenged yeah. and trying to learn new things. And accomplishing cool yes. stuff. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, being on the actual International Space Station and, and commanding it, you were on that for about six months, right? Mm -hmm. What is like, a normal day like on that space station. Obviously you're doing experiments, you worked on the Canadarm2, and I love a portmanteau, so I, I really enjoy robots and two words smushed together. Yep. Um, so fantastic. But what was kind of the, the day to day? Um, at uh, 6 a.m. London, England time, mm -hmm. the alarm on this watch would go off. It's got this high beeping noise. I was going to say, I like that this is a, it's a digital, but also analog. Yeah, they make them specially for, uh, ever, ever since the 1960s, mm -hmm. the um, the guys who walked on the moon had a earlier analog version of this. Mm -hmm. But now it's got, you can have, this has mission elapsed time okay. on it, phase elapsed time. And, and it's got, what's nice is, you know, it's got a glow in the dark feature. You oh, can't really nice. see it here. But on board a spaceship at night, when you're trying to, you know, quietly move through just on your fingertips. Don't want to wake anybody up. It's nice to just, you know, turn on the light of this. Use that, yeah. Like Buzz Lightyear, right? <laughs> With your little laser yeah. and, uh, and see what's going on. Um, so this would go off at 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm inside a little sleep pod, mm -hmm. tiny, mm -hmm. just a little bit bigger than my body. It did occur to me, partway through my time up there that this is about the size of a coffin. I literally was, as a soon coffin, as you started describing, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's spooky. But, but yeah. however, I was fine. No window in ours. The the Russians at their end of the station had a little window in theirs. Well, that's nice. But I think that would have been distracting because of the sunrises and sunsets. Totally. But anyway, um, so it'd go off. And then the first thing I'd do is just uh, turn on my computer and just see if there was anything urgent. Yeah. Normally nothing urgent. Mm -hmm. Give myself a chance to wake up. And then uh, six people, two bathrooms. So. Take turns. That's actually better than most apartments. Yeah, it is, yeah. 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 Or a big family. Yeah. Um, take turns uh, and uh, obviously go to the bathroom and then, you know, brush your teeth. Uh, no sink, no running water. So you have just bags of water and then you swallow the toothpaste and, you know, and you just. Uh, is it normal toothpaste? Yeah. Or is it like special? Yeah, okay. No, regular toothpaste. It's not yeah. space toothpaste? Toothpaste, yeah. toothpaste <laughs> isn't poisonous. Yeah. You know, otherwise we'd all die. Yeah. So then you just. You know, suck the water out of the toothpaste and Velcro it back to the wall. Mm -hmm. And I'd shave maybe twice a week. Oh. If I was going to be talking to the president or something, I'd shave. But How do you, what, what happens to the hair when you oh, shave it? We have a, a little, you know, those uh, electric razors that capture the whiskers in them. You but mean the like, ones that like, I, this is bringing me back to like friends, dads, yeah, driving right. in the car, exactly. one hand That's and then right. shaving while driving. Yes, yeah. Yeah. shaving while driving yeah. a spaceship, same <laughs> idea. Uh, but, uh, um, I don't like those. So a regular razor, mm -hmm. 
um, if you you put a little bit of shaving cream mm -hmm. on a uh, on your face mm -hmm. and then you use a razor and then you just wipe the razor and the shaving cream onto a washcloth. Oh, so you're like an old timey, an yeah. old timey. And when you razor. do that, then the whiskers are just stuck in the shaving cream. Got it. And then uh, you end up with sort of a slightly nasty cloth. But <laughs> we would just let, leave it up to let the water evaporate out into the air so we could recycle the water. Because then that water gets runs through our system, gets recycled, and turned back into drinking water. Again. Wow! All, about ninety-two percent of the liquid on board, including you know all Things. liquids, yes. and ends up back um, in our drinking water. Wow! But that's, you know, no different. I was going to say that's here. We just don't tell people. We that. just don't. Yeah, that. we don't think you know, about it. You, when you flush the toilet, you pretend that it it goes away. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, so uh, shave, brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe you probably wouldn't have a, a cleanup in the morning because mm -hmm. you're going to have to exercise during the day, mm -hmm. and then uh, gather for a quick bite to eat, and then you have a briefing with the mission controls around the world. Mm -hmm. So you, you talk to each of them: mm. Houston, Moscow, Munich, Montreal, to Tokyo, mm -hmm. and then and then you got your schedule, mm -hmm. and it's about 16 hours of work, wow. and it, it the, it's it's actually a computer program, and. It shows each of the crew members and a bunch of other constraints. But the big thing is there's a red line moving across the schedule. Keep in track. And keep, keep ahead of the red line. Oh, yeah. It's your whole job. You, <laughs> what am I doing today? And then it's got all your tasks and all the subtasks and everything. And so you'll, you'll maybe run a um, uh, fire burning experiment. Mm -hmm. How does flame behave without gravity? Or, or there's all, we run about 200 experiments on board. So there's a whole bunch of, of that. Mm -hmm. And then... Stuff breaks, so you spend sometimes fixing things. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to exercise two hours a day because the rest of the day you're weightless. Yeah. So you need to. Um, we have a, a resistive exercise machine, yeah. and we have a unicycle, like a, a ergometer stationary bicycle. Oh my goodness! And we have a treadmill, and it has big. You wear a harness and big bungees, so it holds you down on the treadmill. So, so you're you getting ride. the motion. Well, not just that. You get the impact with the ground. Oh, nice! Which is important for your bone density. Totally. And I love and the idea, though, of you in space on a unicycle. Uh, that yeah. sounds like a yeah, real treat. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no seat. Oh, okay. You don't need a seat. And. Uh, <laughs> So two hours a day exercising, and and you grab a little lunch somewhere along the way, mm -hmm. and uh, and then you finish work at whatever five, mm -hmm. and then there's another briefing with mission control mm -hmm. um, uh, to get ready for the next day and see what you have to study that night to get ready for all the experiments and stuff you're going to do the next day, and then there's a long list of if you have time do these things, mm, you know the wish uh, list, the job list, mm -hmm. job jar, and. Um, <laughs> And so there, there's an endless list of those to do, mm -hmm. and then uh, study for the next day, and then maybe try and get to the window and take some pictures if you can, and then it's it's bedtime, and uh, and then I would steal. We get about seven hours scheduled a night, so I would steal the first couple hours of my sleep, and that's when I would take pictures of the world or communicate with my family or mm -hmm. or play music or, or those other things. That's what I was going to ask. How if if your days are scheduled to the minute for sixteen hours? It's a five minute intercreen. Yeah. How in the world do you have time to record an album, uh, yeah. r record yourself cooking? Which um, Chris's kitchen, those videos, what a delight! It's literally every question I've ever had about space answered. Um, I really like that you make what I call a peanut butter roll-up in one, which is a tortilla with peanut butter and honey sure. or banana. I have all the options on earth, and I still eat that as a snack it's frequently. Good. Yeah. Well, we can't have bread because bread has crumbs, and the mm. crumbs will float everywhere. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, a tortilla lasts longer than bread, especially if it's vacuum sealed, mm -hmm. the soft tortillas, and uh, they don't make crumbs. So, so they're, and, and they become the container for the food. So they're great. That's a good and thing. And peanut butter, does peanut butter last forever? I feel like it can technically go bad. Peanut butter and honey. Yeah. I think we've had honey from the ancient Egyptians. I was just saying, honey edible. never goes bad. Yeah, so, <laughs> so peanut butter and honey are you know, pretty, pretty good. But um, one day, I'd been in space just long enough that it was time to cut my fingernails. Or fairly early on in the mission. I've never even thought of that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm scrounging out, where's the nail clippers on board a spaceship? But I found where they were. You actually go to the computer and you, there's a thing, a whole inventory of the whole space station. And you type in nail clippers and it says, go to this module in this cupboard, in this drawer, and pull it open. And that's where the nail clippers are. What if are. the last person didn't put them back, though? Yeah, it's yeah. called <laughs> the IMS, the Inventory Management System. And yes, yeah. put stuff back. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and... Um, Got my nail clippers, and then I clip the first nail, and you know, like, <laughs> like on Earth, it flies somewhere. Yeah, but, yeah. but it, it's, it just keeps flying, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, what am I going to do here? And, and I thought, well, there's a couple of places because we have an air purification system mm -hmm. where the air gets pulled into a big fan mm -hmm. with a big filter on it. I thought, mm -hmm. oh, I'm a clever guy. I will cut my nails over that air intake, and then the nails will get caught on there. Mm -hmm. So how good of how, wow, I'm smart a astronaut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then I, but then it, it occurred to me. I would bet that there's people on Earth who wonder how do you cut your nails up here, and yeah. I'm doing it. So I just stuck up. We have a, an iPad mm -hmm. with the, you know a little camera built into it. Mm -hmm. Just stick the iPad on the wall and hit record. You know, get it pointed at the camera the right way. And then sometimes I would just put a, a little video camera, you know, pointed the right way as well. Yeah. And and I'd, I'd made enough documentaries or been part of enough documentaries on Earth that I had some idea of what you need. Like you need. You need to set the scene, you need some sort of intro, you need enough variety of shots, you need a two shot, then you need some sort of conclusion at the end and a way to end it. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be the editor, but I, I recognize that I need to provide, the raw material. provide enough raw material. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, so I do all those things and I film clipping my nails and <laughs> well, it's kind of cute anyway. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I, I sort of was putting away the camera equipment and I forgot my nails we're now sitting there still stuck against the filter. So come Saturday, when it was Kevin Ford's job to uh, go around and clean the filters on the spaceship, what you do first is you shut off the fan. Mm. Oh so that, no. So that you can take the filter out and clean it and vacuum it out. So Kevin comes around, shuts off the fan, and there's Chris Hadfield's fingernails <laughs> suddenly floating like a cloud of insects in the space station. Kevin's like, who cut their fingernails in here? I'm like, oh shit, I was gonna say, sorry. that feels like at home. Like with my husband, and I'm like, well, why did you cut your fingernails? Why did you throw them out? Anyway, yeah. So I, I, oops, sorry, sorry Kevin. But, uh, but my, my conclusion from all of that was, if I'm ever doing something up here that seems just sort of mundane, cool to me, yeah, like hey, that's kind of cool. I just set up a couple cameras, and you know, this is how we make lunch, and that's, and, and then I would send them all down to Earth, just all of, overnight when yeah. you had less uh, data tie up, mm -hmm. and uh, and then there was an editor that the Canadian Space Agency hired, and all she did was take my my little uh, twenty videos and roll them into one. She did a make, great job. She did a great job. Like yeah, she really. really shared it really nicely. Yeah. You can fall into one heck of a internet hole watching those videos yeah, they were <laughs> and just fun be to like, make. how is it two PM already? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I made a bunch. Yeah. And uh, but when when I was a boy mm -hmm. uh, watching them the struggles of going to the moon, mm -hmm. I was so thankful 
that they didn't uh, prepackage it. Mm -hmm. They didn't sanitize it. Mm -hmm. When stuff was going on, they just videoed it and or real time mm -hmm. broadcast it. Mm -hmm. This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think without even uh, pondering it, I realized if you're doing something cool and interesting and on the edge of the human experience, don't keep it to yourself. No. Let other people see it. Let other people not just be entertained, but maybe even learn from it. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I quietly resolve without even thinking about it that if I ever get in a position where I'm doing this, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to try and let, Show people, it like it let is. people see it. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and so that's, you know, a lot of the reason that uh, all those videos came back from my time on yeah. the spaceship. So outside of the, the fun and kind of the everyday things, you were the first Canadian to do a spacewalk. Mm -hmm. Um, on the $5 bill. On the, I know, no yeah. big deal. Crazy. $5 bill. I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you Crazy. the only one? Um, well, there have been more than me do spacewalks. No, right? I mean on, on a money that's still alive. Yeah, but but there are other Canadians who have done spacewalks. Yes, yes. And, and it's not my face, you know, it's no. a spacewalker. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's only four Canadians who have, myself and Steve McLean and Dave Williams and, and uh, David Saint-Jacques. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, we're the only people alive. It's twenty-five percent chance. Yeah. yeah, it's you. <laughs> yeah, on the, on the five-dollar bill. So, so yeah, I, uh, I was the first Canadian to ever walk in space. And yeah. that's what your your children's book, The Darkest Dark, which is now the the play with the Young mm. People's Theater. That's what it's about. It's about it's about you as a kid being scared of the dark. The dark. And I know you've talked about how it's kind of a metaphor for you preparing yourself to. I I can't even fathom going outside of a spaceship. Um, I know it's just a metal bubble inside of space, yeah. but the idea of voluntarily leaving <laughs> is so um, scary. It's, it's so scary. Well, it's, it's dangerous, mm -hmm. but just because something is dangerous, it doesn't have to be scary. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a fundamental lesson that you, you sort of intuitively learn mm -hmm. during your life. Mm -hmm but maybe you've never actually thought about it that way. And if you talk to people all the time, they say, for example, oh, spacewalks are scary. Mm -hmm. Things aren't scary, mm -hmm. just sometimes people are scared. Mm -hmm. it, it, fear and danger are not synonyms. Yeah. They're not the same word. Uh, as soon as you've learned how to do something, then it doesn't change, but you don't have to be afraid anymore. Yeah, Right. you change your perspective. Yeah. You're, you not look just at that, but different. you you change your ability. Yeah, you know, and like riding a bike, mm -hmm. right, or, or whatever. Riding a bike's scary mm -hmm. until you learn how, and then it's like, are you afraid of riding a bike? No, no. Not afraid. Yeah. <laughs> but the danger didn't change. The bike didn't change. Mm -hmm. The only thing that changed was you learned how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. And and spacewalking's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And gosh, you want to ride a bike. It's cool. It's fast. It's fun. You get the wind in your hair. You go places. It's you know, it's joyful. Mm -hmm. um, even though it does have some danger. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you wear a helmet, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe some knee pads or something. But uh, if, you're, if you're doing, you know, BMX. Mm -hmm. But um, so spacewalking is exactly like that. You wear a helmet, you wear the protective equipment. You do everything you, you can. But you get to then go do something yeah. that is just so unbelievably cool. Mm -hmm. So different, so rare, mm -hmm. so fantastically beautiful mm -hmm. and, and fulfilling. And... Uh, dreams coming true kind of activity that, yeah, it's, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. But so long as you get ready for it, then it's just like riding a bike. It yeah. doesn't need to be 
fear mongering anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and even I, I think in your in your kids' book turned play, it it's that pers- not even perspective shift. But in the book, I read it as very much a oh my room's dark, but so is the moon, and that's my that's where I want to go. And, mm-hmm. and space is dark, but I love that. And kind of switching, and there's still it's still as dark to find those monsters and those things around. But you're going to be you you see it in a different light. You kind yeah. of have changed your um, feelings on it and grown around your fear as opposed to like living with it under it kind of thing, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, uh, fear is is crippling, mm-hmm. right? When you are afraid, it's really hard to see anything but your own fear. Mm-hmm. You sure don't notice the beautiful nuance of the of the variety of things around you you tend to just be completely aware of the petrifying and uh and funneling uh focused effect of your own anxiety and fear mm-hmm. which is a terrible way to go through life mm-hmm. because you miss almost everything yeah you're like a little mouse confronted with a cat and that, that's <laughs> nothing else in the universe matters except, except your fear so if you can actually find a way mm-hmm. to, to, to pull yourself back from the fear of the moment, to gain the skills so you're not just you know, instinctively crippled by mm-hmm. it, uh, to, to, uh, to, to put yourself into almost a third eye position to see what's happening, then maybe you can recognize, hey, yeah, it's dark, but, or yeah, I'm out on a spacewalk, but, or yeah, bad things might happen. Bad things might always happen. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, I'm doing some amazing cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so that acceptance or that approach to danger mm-hmm. becomes hugely important in what you're gonna do with your life. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to just succumb to the things that you judge to be too scary, like you say, well, I'm, I'm too scared. I could never. Mm-hmm. Well, how big a list is that going to be for yeah. you? I'm too scared. I could never fly. Mm-hmm. I could never get married. I could never cross the street. I could never leave my house. I could never leave my bed. Where are you going to draw the line mm-hmm. as to uh, too scary in order to actually conduct a fulfilling and interesting life? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people never even really think about that. All they do is put some fear-driven fences around themselves and then say, okay, this is I'm going to confine my life within this little subset of possibility. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you haven't done it deliberately, then I, I think it's kind of a sadness. It could be so much more. Right. And you could see and experience and right. feel so much bigger. And I think that's what's really... But on the flip side, mm-hmm. I am not an adrenaline junk. I was going to say, you sound like no, you're like skydiving, doing I would, all that. I would never, I would never just take a dumb risk for, mm-hmm. for unless it, it's serving some sort of purpose yeah. that I think is worthwhile. Like I am, I'm going to take a measured risk, mm-hmm. but I would never just, just to try and excite myself, do something that might end my life mm-hmm. or cause me great physical harm. Why would I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, again, you like the work. Where's the benefit of it? I, I want this to challenge me mm-hmm. to be difficult to to you know be kind of at the edge of my own capabilities mm-hmm. but I, I not just for nothing your job is not to hide from or endure the fear mm-hmm. your job is to master the danger 
so that you can then do something that otherwise would have been too, uh, too dangerous or impossible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that that's a whole different perspective on this. You're not, man, I survived a rocket launch. I'm a rocket ship pilot. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, that is, I would rather go through life being the rocket ship pilot then, than, than a terrified Having survived a in, rocket launch. In my launch. own life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's, but it's the same rocket yeah. and it's the same experience, mm -hmm. but it's all a matter of, of how you choose to look at it, what yeah. your perspective is. Well, I think I, you've talked a lot about how your perspective um, shifted and you, you talked earlier about how your perspective on time and, and movement of things shifted when you were in space. Um, I feel like, and I know you are a huge music fan. Mm. Um, I obviously you had your super viral space oddity that you did, which was amazing, and you recorded an album on the International Space Station. Mm. Our mutual friend Danny Michelle on your, I think you were on a Kolebnikov on a, a Russian icebreaker. Danny and I went almost all the way to the North Pole Ooh. on an old Soviet icebreaker yeah. called the Kapitan Khlebnikov. Oh, see, there's and, that's uh, not my Russian. Khlebnikov. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I brought along a team of, of artists yeah. so that we could share the experience with as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. We got, I say close to the North Pole, we got 83 degrees north out of 90 degrees. So more northerly than most people have ever been. Yeah. At least on the ground. And uh, But I thought, wouldn't it be great to not just experience this myself, mm -hmm. but use technology and social media to share this mm -hmm. with you know tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. So I invited Danny to come along as well. Mm -hmm. And at first he was like, well, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna play some music, it'll be fun. Mm -hmm. By the end of it, he wrote a whole bunch of music on the way and then set up this little makeshift, sort of like this one, a little Radio makeshift <laughs> recording studio in his sleeping berth mm -hmm. on board. And then, uh, we got to know some of the Russian crew and they were singing some of these great Russian folk songs and he recorded a whole bunch. And then out of that came a whole album mm -hmm. uh, called the Chlebnikov. Mm -hmm. And have uh, it on vinyl. It's very good. Yeah, it it's frequently fun. rotates on my on my record <laughs> and player. Rob, Rob Carley, uh, oh my gosh. great, great musician. Anyone um, who can play the old licorice stick, I'm uh, into. Uh, yeah. Rob, <laughs> Rob, he does all the music for Murdoch Mysteries. Does he really? Yeah, he, he's the guy who does all the sound for Murdoch Mysteries. I didn't know that. Yeah, he sits. They send him the the video with no sound, yeah. and he sits and watches it, and then he writes all the music for Murdoch Mysteries. Oh my gosh, yes, I did not. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Rob helped make uh, the Chlebnikov album, mm -hmm. but it was similar in space. Mm -hmm. I thought, I'm in this edge of human experience uh, voyage, yeah, um, and I can try and just remember it, or I can try and take pictures of it, or maybe make videos of it but wouldn't it be cool to try and write music about it mm -hmm. while I'm here? Mm -hmm. And how, it, how does it inspire? How does it make me feel? And so I half wrote some songs before I went, some with my brother, one with my son, and then um, and finished writing a couple songs I wrote completely from scratch while I was up there. Mm -hmm. And then I, in the evening, when I, or at night, when I was supposed to be asleep, <laughs> I would just put the iPad up on the wall, hook it up through this little uh, preamp that I'd brought up. I found GarageBand, taught myself how to use GarageBand. In, on orbit. in your yeah. spare time in space, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty intuitive. Yeah. And, uh, and then just float this Sennheiser microphone just floating in front of me and then play the, and because it's got a click track on GarageBand, yeah. so you can get the same multi-layer recording. Totally. I could just do the guitar, get three or four guitar takes and then put the headphones on and then sing along with it and uh, wrote and recorded a whole album called um, Space Session. My daughter named it Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was really lovely. And now that music, 
has been put put to full uh, orchestral, and so I like go perform with the Vancouver Symphony. Oh my gosh! And there's 75 people and a choir behind me, and and we're playing those songs. Did you even ima- did you ever imagine <laughs> while you're in space? Yeah, that yeah, it, the whole my whole life is like a pinch me moment. Yeah. it seems like like could this actually possibly be happening? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like like my wife and I got an email uh, from. Uh, the queen mm-hmm. saying, would you like to come for a sleepover? <laughs> and, or at least from one of her footmen or, or ladies in waiting. Or I something. like to imagine the queen yeah. emailing you. Yeah, That's much right. more fun. Yeah, yeah. But, but we're like, who sent us this email? <laughs> but when you read it, you're going, well, it looks kind of legit. Yeah. Like, you know, this isn't spam. Not a fishing. Send a note yeah. back. And, uh, and they said, yeah, the, the queen and Prince Philip would uh, love to have your company and come stay at Windsor Castle and oh come for dinner and breakfast and, you know, come and love to talk to you. And we're like, okay, we'll go do that. And, uh, Sounds and, like a fun trip. And we did, you know, and, and but stuff like that. If you just um, give yourself some great big dreams yeah. and then relentlessly try and um, turn yourself into the person that can do those things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's amazing where it leads. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, when an opportunity comes, seize it. Yeah. You know, don't go... Nah, I'm too busy. Yeah. You know, if you can possibly say that window's only open for a little while, but man, I'm going to look through it because this is cool, and and you know, seize the the opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing how those events and opportunities build on each other. And we got to, you know, uh, spend the evening with the Queen and Prince Philip and their little Dogs. corgis running around. So many corgis. Yeah. yeah. Well, not just that, but um, one of their kids came over with a dachshund. Really? And so the queen had dorgies as well. Oh. Dachshund and corgis got together. Oh. So the queen was like. Such short little dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dorgies. And the dogs were like, hey, mom, when's, when's supper? Yeah. You know, they're like, they don't know she's the queen. Yeah. And they were, they were like, we're okay. We're all standing around. But when, when do we go in for dinner so yeah. Prince Philip can slip us some food? You yeah. Know? <laughs> anyway, so it, it, it was delightful. And But moments like that. I mean, the Queen and Prince Philip—they're just—they were just people. Yeah. You know, they the life of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they knew everybody had done everything, mm-hmm. and so I—I I just counted as such a huge lucky privilege to have had a chance to even meet them, and get to know them for one day. Yeah. And, um, and then you just go on with your life and go. That was cool. That was an amazing experience. Yeah. And I don't want to just, you know, have that dwindle into nothing. Mm-hmm. I. You know, I've just come back from six months in space. Mm-hmm. I don't want this experience to just dwindle yep. into nothing. I want, I want to let other people experience as much of it as I can possibly enable. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, writing books and making TV shows and doing master class and 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 teaching at university and all the other stuff. I have three TV shows in pre-production right now and you know all that stuff, but it's all just this is cool stuff. Yeah. I love what's going on here. <laughs> Here's all the stories. Here's the fun stuff and I can learn a tremendous amount. Like I know nothing about uh, making TV shows, yeah. but I'm going to learn a whole bunch yeah. by doing that and 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 so I I'm always looking to to see what's coming next mm-hmm. that really sort of taxes sparks. me and and sparks me and mm-hmm. challenges me to to improve what my capabilities are. Yeah, my, I'm thrilled uh, to the gills that you are a curious person. Like you seem like someone who just is always pushing to find something new and figure out something new. And that's just like 
So cool, because arguably you could be like, my resume's done, this is great, I'm gonna retire, I'm gonna take it breezy. Um, but the fact that you love continuing to add things to the world, whether it's through entertainment or information or anything like that, or teaching new people to kind of carry on the torch, it's really, it's like really cool, because you could also just been like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm also very intrigued by, and I'd love to really quickly hear what you think about the Artemis 3. We're going back to the moon? Oh yeah. That's so exciting. Cause we kind of, we got over the moon for a little bit and now we're going back into the moon. Well, it's sort of like the history of human exploration. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, we've been living here for a long time. And most people, I'm okay with living here. Mm -hmm. You know, I got my own problems. Yeah. I don't need to go over that hill yeah. or across that ocean or whatever. But there's always a subset of us, you know, an irritated adolescent or something who's like, I'm leaving. Or, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it might be more interesting over there. Yeah. And so then they figure out, how could we go over there? Mm -hmm. and, and if it's a long way, then they're going to take a big risk. Mm -hmm. And like, if you look at whoever, the first Canadians that came here, what, 19,000 years ago, when as the ice retreated from the ice age and they were living over on the other side in Siberia. Mm -hmm. And a few of them were like pushing the very hairy edge of it to try and come and see what opportunity there might be in this big unexplored land. Mm -hmm. or, or the Vikings a thousand years ago with Leif the Lucky and Eric the Red and mm -hmm. sailing into what is now Newfoundland or or uh, Columbus 500 years ago, or the very first people to New Zealand 800 years ago, mm -hmm. or the first people to Antarctica 120 years ago. Mm -hmm. All of them were like, this is okay, mm -hmm. but man, I wanna go see about that. Yeah. And I'm gonna push the limits of it. But then the first people, they, they often just sort of come back with the story. Hey, this is what's there. It's going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> let's figure out. Let's. We need to invent something before we can go live there, like mm -hmm. Antarctica. We got to invent some stuff before we can go live there. Mm -hmm. But after a while, then you invent some stuff and you go, Hey, we could actually go live there now. We have airplanes, mm -hmm. or we have uh, nuclear power, <laughs> yeah. or we have whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what's happened on the moon. Yeah. It, it was impossible, and then. We invented uh, rockets, mm -hmm. and then there was Sputnik, and then and then the Apollo program, and suddenly it was now. If you really worked hard, just barely possible, and and a few people made it to the moon, but we almost killed you know Apollo 13. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. But then we they came back and went, okay, now we know a lot more about the moon, mm -hmm. but we need to invent some stuff. Yeah, we need to get better at this, and bring the safety up so the brink cost comes down. Mm -hmm. But now. We're at the moment in history where, with the new vehicles that SpaceX is building, um, that suddenly it is way safer mm -hmm. and simpler and therefore way cheaper to go. And we know that the moon is like bigger than Africa, if you put it on a map, and it's completely untapped yeah. and there's no life there. So imagine if we were sailing across the Atlantic and someone said, what's that? And it was a continent bigger than Africa, completely untapped. We would like, we should go have yeah. a look. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's probably some good minerals there mm -hmm. and some stuff we could use mm -hmm. and, and we're not doing any harm because there's no life there. So let's let's figure this out. That's where we are with the moon now. Yeah. And and so the first one was Apollo, great glorious, you know, uh, name out of history. Mm -hmm. The sister of Apollo was Artemis. Mm -hmm. um, and back then because of culture, it was all men. Now it's a mixture of men and women. Mm -hmm. So Artemis, great name. And now we are at the stage 
where we're not just going to, to just barely be capable of finding out what's there, but actually start to go there to stay, much as we have through all of human history. Mm -hmm. And I help make that happen, you know, through the work that I did. Mm -hmm. And some of the astronauts that I trained or the ones that I helped select are now the people that are going to be going to the place that I always dreamed of going. Yes! And, and actually, not just circling it, but fairly soon landing, mm -hmm. exploring, but also starting to, you know, put up a place to live. Oh my and gosh. that's where we are in history How right thrilling now. and exciting. And so, yeah, and, and it's not like the problems at home are going to go away. That's, that's, nev that's never happened in history. Yeah. But there's always the subset of us who aren't just satisfied with dealing with the problems in the neighborhood. They also want other magnificent edge of human experience mm -hmm. things to happen. And, and that's what's going on around us as well. So, you know, I find it hugely I'm interesting I'm very excited about it too, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, I'm gonna finish us off with just a very quick rapid fire. I'm gonna do five questions. Are you ready? Okay, um, comfort food you dreamed of when you were in space? Really sloppy big piece of pizza, with, you know, where it's sort of melting in your hand yes. and that uh, that delicious sort of and the smell of it yes. and the different textures mm. when you bite into it. Like a two hander or like with the floppy paper plate? Uh, no, they're just the two hander. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's oozing into your fingers. Yeah. You know, that's just that doesn't happen without gravity. No. Yeah. That's a dream that I now want pizza. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, what is your favorite condiment and did they have it in space for you? Um, it's different. It, it's it's not a quick answer. Okay. Because uh, if I asked you what your favorite condiment is now, I'm not asking. <laughs> but, then if, but then if I said stand on your head for six hours, oh, uh, so that like all the blood is rushing to your head, and then your tongue sort of swells up, and then your sinuses fill up because you're upside down for hours and hours and hours, so that now. Uh, it's like a really bad head cold where you can't really taste stuff anymore because oh. your because your nose is clogged and your and your uh, your tongue is swollen up. Now, what's your favorite condiment? And you're probably going to want something that has a stronger flavor. Totally. Just because you're all congested. Yeah. In space, there's no gravity to drain your sinuses, and, and there's always extra fluid in your head. So it's sort of like. Uh, that situation where you have a bad head cold. And so my favorite condiment in space was like wasabi paste. Nice. Or, or super hot sauce or horseradish. It would give you the feeling that you were clearing your sinuses. It, it, it would sear through the uh, the, the congestion. Yeah. And, 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 and some of them actually make your sinuses water, yeah. though, right? And and so, yeah, my favorite on earth, I, I just, you know, like pepper. <laughs> But in space, uh, hot sauce. That's oh my you gosh. Want. You want hot sauce. I love that. Cake or pie? And could you even make either of those in space? Pie. Pie, 100%. Oh, I, I you are correct. Pie. That's an accurate answer. Uh, <laughs> I prefer pie. I, I love the richness and, and the, the thickness of it and the contrast between the light flaky crust and then whatever the filling is. I'm, I'm, I mean, I even ordered pie for I lunch. Know. You're speaking my language. So, uh, so. <laughs> Pie. And what was the second how, Could you make it in, like, without gravity, how do you mix ingredients? Well, um, so if you're doing something that relies uh, on, on on rising, mm -hmm. like, then it's going to be really weird because it, it'll bubble, but it won't, there's no gravity to hold it down. So, like, if you've got a crust that needs to rise, mm -hmm. then it's probably going to more like balloon than Whoa. rise because it's going to go down just as much as it goes up. And so so I think you'd end up with like a bubble of crust as opposed to a, a nicely risen crust. And 
there's no oven, so you can't bake anything. That's true. Everything's just got to be something that's been in a bag for nine months and now a year, and now you can just... We have like an easy bake oven on board okay. where you just put the package inside, you close it up, you put it on, you wait three minutes and you pull out this piping hot package, you Velcro it to the wall and you snip it open and then your food is just hot. Uh, it just, so <laughs> so that, that's all you got. It's okay. Just, yeah. Interesting. So, so uh, but my favorite dessert up there was like a, a lemon curd pie because it was, you know, the tartness of the lemon, like lemon and the sweetness of it. Oh. And, and, and be, you know, there's sort of a real thickness to it because it's been in this package. So the lemon curd tart was uh, my favorite thing. Based on all your answers, we have the same opinion on food and I'm oh, okay. thrilled about all that. Right. Um, very exciting. Okay, one last question. All right. If, and it's not even like a rapid fire. If I bought a 10 pound bag of flour on Earth, it weighs 10 pounds. Yeah. How much would it weigh on the moon and how much would it weigh on Mars? This is a curious, okay. this is my own brain so, question. So uh, on the moon, you say it's a 10 pounder? Yeah. So it's one sixth the gravity. So 10 divided by six, so you know a little less than two. So 1.8 pounds. Okay. And if it was on the moon, it's 30%, so about three and a half pounds. Wow. So your 10 pound bag would weigh, you know, how much three and a half pounds is or, or a little under two pounds or kilograms is. So if you weigh, I don't know, 50 kilograms, mm -hmm. then, then suddenly, you know, you're a sixth of that. So you can jump really high yeah. and, and it's weird but it's not just your weight it's like your lips oh your tongue weighs a sixth as much as well your hair weighs a sixth so it floats around more your mm. clothes don't get pulled down by the gravity they float on you more it's it's more subtle in ways that than you might think it's and it's really weird to get used to. I would look uh, like Medusa in space. I got too much hair here. I would have way too much hair in space. Yeah, it, especially on board the spaceship where you're 100% weightless. Yeah. It just becomes yeah. big lion's mane around your head. Um, I think if you have any say, which it sounds like you do, I feel like the next experiment on the ISS should be baking a cake. Uh, I think that'd be great. Yeah. We're going to... Maybe a magnifying glass by the window. Where are you going to... You, you could, you know, yeah, that would work. We, we need... Uh, we need uh, some sort of oven. heat source oven. Oh, actually, my girlfriend loves camping. She's got a reflector oven. You could uh, use the yeah, maybe sun. a reflector oven, ah. or if we could somehow take the waste heat from one of the experiments and get something that doesn't require too much. Maybe one muffin or well, one like a pancake. One little, or, That's oh, easy. Pancake. There yeah, you go. pancake. Okay, yeah. I feel like we've figured it Space out. Space pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you so much. Oh, we can keep you, eating, Mary. but this has been such an, an absolute delight. treat. Pleasure. This has been the most fascinating lunch I've ever had in my life. Thank you so much for spending this hour with me. Don't forget to subscribe to Mary's Reservation for Two on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for my new daytime show, The Good Stuff with Mary Berg, premiering this fall on CTV.